Okay, I know you didn't plan for your life to look like this. Neither did I. And I know it feels like you've lost so much. But I keep hearing God whisper, I am right here. And there is more. I'm Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Let's talk about loneliness for a second. It's something that all single moms have to deal with, but one of the reasons it's so frustrating is that it is not a one-size-fits-all kind of a thing. Your experience with loneliness is going to be totally different than mine, and oddly enough, being in a relationship usually doesn't fix it. To learn more about the roots of your own experience with loneliness and what those roots are telling you that you really need, take our What's Your Loneliness Type quiz over at plusoneparents.org. A couple of years ago, I found myself in two back-to-back situationships, and these two situationships were nearly identical. They were almost exactly the same. And even everything about these guys was kind of the same. I mean, if you had never seen them before, you would think that these two guys were brothers. It was kind of like dating Mario and Luigi. One just happened to be taller than the other one. Both of them were Christians. Both of them were really into worship music. And we would go to concerts and we'd go hiking and do all of these spontaneous adventures. I had so much in common with each of these men. And I thought for sure they were checking all of the boxes. But yet, despite everything starting out on a roll, twice I found myself disappointed. Twice I found myself led on. And twice I found myself in situations that were just not going anywhere. Now, obviously, I was frustrated. I mean, when something happens twice, you can't just blame the other person. You have to assume you're doing something wrong. You know, I wondered, what am I doing? But I also wondered, why can't I not find a good man to date? Maybe you've been here too, or maybe you're afraid to end up here. Maybe you've tried all of these things to find a good man, but you just can't find a good man to date. Maybe you've tried the dating apps. Maybe you have chatted with someone who seemed to have a lot of potential and maybe even met up with them. And whether it was right away or in my case, months and months down the road, something seemed to be off. And eventually you discovered that who this person presented themselves to be online really wasn't who they were at all. Or maybe you've tried dating someone who approached you or maybe somebody you already knew, someone who was a friend. And perhaps even you hit it off right off the bat. Maybe you had a great first coffee or a first date. But then all of a sudden something shifted And then they kind of stopped texting. They stopped making plans. They went cold. Or maybe they even ghosted you. In these types of situations, we are often left wondering what in the world happened. I have experienced both of these scenarios. And I know the frustration when it seems that nothing works. When it seems like there are no good guys out there when it seems like you are just not going to be able to find a good man to date. But in all of these very disappointing dating experiences, I've started to realize that the problem is actually in looking for a good guy. What if the problem for you and me is that looking for a good guy is actually not good enough? And what if by looking for a good guy, 
we are not positioning ourselves to meet someone great. I want to tell you something. I have discovered that the reason that you and I end up in situationships or in disappointing relationships is often because we are setting the bar way too low. You know, whether it's out of our loneliness or a sense of low self-esteem, a lot of times we're shooting for what we think we can get or what we think is attainable, or we are basing our decisions off of what we perceive that we're missing and what we're trying to find in another person. When this happens to us, we base our assessment of another person then on the wrong things. You know, we are attracted to their physical appearance or we are drawn in by their chemistry, their charisma. You know, perhaps then that we are looking at things like common interests like I had with these two guys that I was dating. And these are not necessarily bad things in a relationship, right? But the point is that This is not what makes for a great person who is a great match. You know, and a lot of times people say that the Bible really doesn't tell us very much about dating, but it's not true. (laughs) The Bible tells us a lot about godly relationships, and it tells us what we should base a godly relationship on. And the primary foundational characteristic that we should look for in our relationships and in people that we are drawing close to and connecting with is a committed faith in Christ. If we look at 2 Corinthians 6.14, Paul says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? He goes on to say in verse 15, what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Now, this imagery of being yoked together is somewhat lost if you're not in a farming or agricultural type of an environment or don't come from that sort of background. But I find word pictures like this so helpful when we do understand the context to know what it is guiding us, what's the guiding principle when it comes to our relationships. So in this case, I want you to imagine two oxen that are being hooked up, hitched together, and they've got a wooden beam over their neck and shoulders. And so this beam and all of the rigging is hooked up to a plow that's behind these two oxen, and they're moving together to pull this plow to get the job done. And so when these two oxen are roughly of the same size and of the same maturity and the same level of endurance, they're able to pull together and get the work done. Now, of course, one ox may have a slightly different idea in mind as far as what direction they're going to go, but because they're hooked together, one can't veer too far off without the other, that they're keeping each other in step and that they are moving together to accomplish the task at hand. But now I want you to imagine this scenario where you've got a younger, smaller, more juvenile ox and a larger, full-size, mature ox. And in that case, you can see that this wooden beam that would rest across their necks is not going to sit level and it's not going to be fitting for the smaller one. And so in this case, it's going to be very difficult for the two to work together to achieve the task. And you might also see in this case that, you know, the older one is going to have a longer stride, more endurance. And so they're going to want to move right ahead and pull ahead to get the work done more quickly when the younger one isn't able to do it and maybe not even have the experience to even understand what is being requested of this animal. 
So you can see very quickly how the bigger, older ox is gonna end up doing all of the work. It's going to be a situation where that ox is dragging the other one and the plow and the work is just gonna become too cumbersome. It's gonna become too heavy. And then the task is not gonna get completed at all. And this is an illustration of what it means to be unequally yoked, that God has a purpose for all of our relationships, for us to grow side by side and to work together towards the purposes that he has for our lives and for our relationships. Now, we can see distinctly in this scripture that Paul is talking about our relationships between believers and unbelievers. And the reason he makes this distinction in part is the fact that if you are a believer, you have a certain set of values, you have a certain set of convictions, and so you're going to live your life according to those. And a person who is not a follower of Jesus may have similar values or maybe some similar ways of doing things, but they may have some very different convictions and different ideas about how that's supposed to get done. And the deal is that when we have these purposes that God has for our lives and you've got two people who are kind of diverging in their paths as far as eternity is concerned— then the work oftentimes becomes very difficult to get done if it gets done at all, that the purposes then are forfeited. But what I also found out is that this verse and this imagery can be very helpful in understanding why relationships perhaps with even other believers don't work out. And a lot of it has to do with not being at the same level. We talked about that same level of spiritual and emotional maturity. Because here's the deal, even if someone is saying that they are a believer, and I'm not even going to get into that part, but if they are saying that they're a believer, but yet they have not fully committed their lives, then they're going to continue to wrestle with that. They're going to continue to wrestle with sin in ways that can hurt you and hurt the relationship. And again, I'm not saying that Christians don't sin and that Christians are perfect. But what I am saying is that if a person has not yet made the decision and the commitment to put Jesus first in their lives, then they're not able then to also rightly prioritize your needs and the needs of the relationship. You know, and this is why having a lot in common isn't even a great way to gauge whether or not this is going to be a healthy and successful relationship. Because though with these two men that I dated, I had a lot in common, the point was that this did not have very much to do with where I was going. You know, we think about these two oxen that are pulling this plow. It's all about where they're going. It's all about in our lives where God is taking us. And having a lot of, in common with these individuals had way more to do with where I had been in the past and where I was at that present time, not where I was going. You know, so some of the music, for example, that we were connecting on wasn't music that was fitting for me moving into a new season of my life in relationship with God. You know, some of the pastimes were not a lifestyle or behaviors that really were fitting, again, for the call that God had on my life. And so while this was comfortable to me because it was familiar, familiar is not always good. You know, these situationships seemed good at the time, and certainly I wasn't alone. But the problem was I was starting to look a whole lot more like the world and a whole lot less like Jesus. And that's what God has designed our relationships for, to help us each with becoming more like Jesus.
So that's why finding someone who's a good guy is not good enough if we're playing by our own standards. You know, we don't serve a God who wants us to have less in our lives. We serve an immeasurably more God, an abundantly more God. And He knows that for us to be living in a thriving and flourishing and fulfilled sort of way, that it's for us to give up what we think is good and seek after what is best. But I'll be honest with you, when it came to my own journey of seeking what was best, I didn't really think that I matched up to it. You know, sometimes, like I said, we're going to want to seek out things that are attainable, that we think that match our level of worthiness that we view within ourselves, you know. And so while we wouldn't on the surface say things like, well, I I want somebody who's less committed to the Lord than me, (laughs) the fact of the matter is, we might be too fearful to step towards someone who is as committed or more committed than we are. And so looking at where we are in that yoke and being willing to open ourselves up to the possibility that there is more, that there's someone who's at my level or greater, you know, to to open ourselves up to that takes some courage. It's not easy, especially if you've only ever really been in bad situations or if that's all you've ever seen modeled around you, you know? So this idea of of seeking what is attainable comes from often our experiences, and God wants us to learn how to set our sights higher because He has called us to so much more. But to get there to this higher level, you know, it takes a shift of our thinking, but it's possible. You know, there are ways that we can begin to position ourselves to have fulfilling godly relationships of all kinds, whether that is friends or business partners or a romantic partner. There are ways that you can find yourself then in a position to be equally yoked with a great godly man. Have you ever looked around at your life and thought, is this really all there is? Plus One Parents is releasing a new paperback Bible study called Made for More, Life Beyond Hurt, Loss, and Heartbreak. Made for More is your personal guide through six biblical stories that address where is God in rejection, betrayal, loss, and abuse? Does God care about your fear and sadness and anxiety and frustration? And what can God do to take back every last piece of your story, even the mistakes? Made for More releases April 21st, 2023. What you see around you right now is not all that there is. You were made for more. So as we consider our one action step, what I'm going to tell you is going to sound crazy. It's going to sound counter. It's not only countercultural, but it's absolutely, it sounds counterintuitive. This one action step that I want you to think about today is actually less about what to do and more about what to stop doing and it's to stop looking. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. You know, with a lot of kingdom wisdom, what's down is up. What seems backwards is forwards. And this is no different. You know, when it comes to looking for a godly man, it's not about looking for a godly man. It's about looking for God. If we think about a great godly man, he's not seeking a woman first. He's seeking God first. He's seeking God's will for his life. He's seeking to imitate Christ. And so to him, it is extremely obvious 
who his match is because it's a woman who's doing the same thing. It's a woman who is putting the Lord first and is giving her life to the Lord first and foremost. She's imitating Christ in her choices and in her character and in her commitments in her own life. She's not putting a man first. You know who likes a woman who puts a man first? Ungodly men. And this is not untested advice that I'm giving you. This is actually scriptural. In our new Bible study, Made for More, we cover the story of Ruth. And Ruth finds herself in a situation where she's desperate. But rather than seeking a man to make everything better, she seeks after the Lord. She seeks after the opportunities that God has placed in front of her. And I don't want to spoil the end for you, but the results are more than good. They are greater than anything Ruth or you or I could have ever imagined. But this isn't like a slot machine. This is not like I'm going to put my good works in and out pops my husband. It's not what it is at all. It's in seeking wholeness in your relationship with God first and foremost. It's in becoming who He has made you to be and delighting in your relationship with Him that In this process of being fully satisfied in your life by the Lord, that when He brings someone to you, it it simply confirms that. It simply adds on to what you already have, rather than looking for something to fill a gap that only God can fill. And when we're so in tune with the Lord, we align ourselves with people and with opportunities that allow us to maintain the peace that we already have in our relationship with Him, that we won't seek after things or people that would disturb that peace and that relationship that we have in being close to Jesus. Now, how that works out or looks for you might be a little bit different. For me, I haven't dated in the last two years. And I'm going to be honest with you. If at the very beginning God said, you're not going to be dating and it's going to be at least two years, I'd be like, I'm sorry, God, (laughs) I'm too lonely. I can't do that. Right. But he didn't ask me to commit to a major period of time. He asked me to commit my trust and my life to him one day at a time, just one step at a time. And in day by day, learning to trust him, I have changed I am different. I'm not the same person. I'm not the same person I was in these two situationships. I'm not even the same person that I was three months ago. He continues to strengthen me and grow me into an entirely new woman. And I'm not even attracted to the same things that I was attracted to anymore. I have no interest in the things that used to draw me into relationship in the past. And do I get lonely still? Yes, I'm a human. <laughs> you know, that, that doesn't mean that I don't desire relationships still. But the point is, I am not willing to settle for anything less than God's best. And when I say stop looking, I'm not saying, for example, like I'm never going to date again. I'm not saying that I'm never going to do anything that could position me in proximity to a godly person. But the point is, I'm not looking for a person anymore. I am looking for God inside of that person. I am seeking the Lord first and foremost in my life that I know what he looks like as he's operating in the life of another person who has committed his life to God in the same way that I have. So when those moments come up where it just feels like this wait has been too long and that loneliness can become so heavy, I can know that the reason I am alone is a great one. I know that I'm set apart. 
and that God wants only what is the best for you and for me. Thanks for being with me for this episode today. For more resources for single moms and abuse survivors, join us at plusoneparents.org. You can also catch us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. Until next time, remember you are seen and you are beloved.